It's Wednesday, July 24th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. One of Britain's most famous and controversial politicians, Boris Johnson, has become the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. His first big task will be to make good on his Brexit promise to lead the country out of the European Union. Annabelle Timsit, reporter at Quartz, who is based in London, joins us for all the reaction to the new Prime Minister. Next, Sammy the one-winged bald eagle has been bird-napped. The 35-year-old bird has been living a good life at the Quag Wildlife Refuge on Long Island since 1988, when he was shot and had to have his right wing amputated. Now, someone has broken into his cage and taken him. Marisa Nelson, assistant director at the Quag Wildlife Refuge, joins us to share Sammy's story and call for his return. Finally, we take a look at what makes ADX Florence the country's most secure prison. It's all a matter of design. Holding a who's who of bad guys, and now the infamous El Chapo, the Alcatraz of the Rockies is literally built into the side of a mountain. Soundproof cells are made of concrete from top to bottom, and only has a disorienting four-inch wide window to the outside world. Eleanor Cummins, assistant editor at Popular Science, joins us for a look at ADX Florence. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. And I say, I say to all the doubters, dude, we are going to energize the country. We're going to get Brexit done on October the 31st. We're going to take advantage of all the opportunities that it will bring in a new spirit of can do. And we are once again going to believe in ourselves and what we can achieve. Joining us now is Annabelle Timsit, reporter at Quartz based in London. Thanks for joining us, Annabelle. Thanks for having me. Boris Johnson is now the new UK prime minister. He already divides the party and the British public. Tell us a little bit about what the overall reaction is to his ascendance to the prime minister. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise, let's just say, that he won today's election. Uh, He was widely predicted to win today, and he in fact won in in a landslide with 66% of conservative party members who voted. It's more a a reaction of resignation, let's say, today over here in London for a lot of people have expected this to happen, but, you know, aren't necessarily pleased. There was a few preemptive resignations from the cabinet already. Who, who, Who left? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a fair amount of that is is normal in the sense that when a new prime minister comes in, you know, some of the people who were in the cabinet of the previous prime minister will leave their post to kind of clear out for the next team. So some of that is normal. But You know, we've seen specific people say that they are preemptively resigning because they refuse to work under Johnson. The UK education minister quit before the election results were announced. The foreign office minister also resigned. The secretary of state for international development resigned. The chancellor of the exchequer also resigned. So we've seen some really high profile people leave government and say that they will not work under Johnson or say that they don't approve of his vision of Brexit. The UK is one of the top players in the world. What has been the reaction from other world leaders? Yeah, we've had uh, quite a a different scale of reactions. So it depends on who you look at. But the first person, at least that I saw, make an official statement on this and reach out was Donald Trump. He tweeted about it kind of just a few minutes after the results were announced. He said, congratulations on becoming the new prime minister. He will be great. And then, uh, you know, we had some foreign uh, presidents and other leaders like the president of Turkey, the prime minister of Israel. But the interesting part of this is looking at the reactions from European leaders. 
Uh, and when you look there, the reaction was decidedly more tempered and a little bit more cold. So you had, for example, the Brexit spokesman for the European Parliament. He tweeted that there would be a meeting of the Brexit steering group to discuss what this would mean for Europeans. And the European Commission Brexit negotiator also had a, a sort of form type response. And we didn't hear anything from kind of the major European presidents and leaders like, you know, the French president or Angela Merkel uh, for, for a long time. And, and when they did speak, it wasn't necessarily the warmest reaction to his election. Tell us a little bit more about Boris Johnson and why he's so controversial. He was a journalist before. He was the mayor of London and obviously now prime minister and a very hardline proponent for Brexit, which is also the next big thing he needs to take care of. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he has a lot of other challenges, you know, people here and elsewhere, obviously, and rightfully so are focused on Brexit because it's the biggest challenge right now. But there are other really immediate challenges. The UK is in the middle of a diplomatic crisis with Iran over um, the Strait of Hormuz. So, you know, he has a lot of challenges that he's going to have to deal with. And I think some people are worried that he's not necessarily up for the job. Now, you asked, you know, w w a little bit about him. He's a very controversial figure. He was fired from a publication that he worked at previously for making up a quote. He had a reputation when he was a journalist as somebody who was a very good writer, but didn't always stick closely enough to the truth uh, in his articles. Um, he, you know, then entered politics. He became mayor of London, which was kind of an incredible feat because London is a very liberal and cosmopolitan city. And usually the mayors that get elected are not conservatives. The last thing I want to ask is just a little more on Brexit. Uh, Theresa May stepped down after Parliament repeatedly rejected the withdrawal agreement she struck with the European Union. Boris Johnson says he can get the EU to renegotiate on this, but they say that's they're not going to do that. And economists are saying that if there's a no-deal Brexit, that's going to disrupt trade. It might plunge the UK into a recession. He said, come October 31st, which is the deadline, we're going to get out one way or the other. It's the first thing that he's going to have to be handling. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the deadline is really looming October 31st, and he said it you know, we're leaving no matter what, we're leaving with a deal or without a deal. And I think that's what's scaring a lot of people is his willingness to entertain the idea that the UK will leave without a deal. Um, and uh, like you said, economists, analysts have all said that that would be a terrible outcome for the UK and, and for the EU too. So I think everybody's pretty keen to avoid that, but he's, he's a little bit of an unpredictable actor. So, you know, we don't really know why he thinks that the conditions are going to be any different for him than they were for Theresa May. But he seems pretty convinced that he's going to be able to get a different deal out of the EU. In some of President Trump's follow-up, uh, he also called Boris Johnson Britain's Trump and called him tough and smart. So it seems like we have two very similar guys at the helm right now. So it'll be very interesting to see what's in store for the UK and what's in store for the United States as the relationship is going to continue there. Annabelle Timsit, reporter at Quartz, based in London. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. We can only speculate. We don't know who did it, so then we don't know why they did it. I mean, if the sad thought is potentially... 
they wanted him for his feathers, which is there is a black market for um, bald eagle and golden eagle feathers, which is, you know, a very sad thought. Joining us now is Marisa Nelson, Assistant Director at the Quag Wildlife Refuge. Thanks for joining us, Marisa. Thanks for having me on. We're going to be talking about Sammy the bald eagle. He's had a pretty tough life as it is. And now we just found out that he's been birdnapped. He is a 35-year-old bald eagle, and somebody broke into the wildlife refuge there, which is located on Long Island, and and took him. Tell us a little bit more about this, Marisa. Yeah, so this happened last Tuesday. Last Tuesday morning, we discovered he was not in his enclosure. The cage was cut through. And so that was extremely upsetting to find out that someone broke in and stole Sam, the bald eagle. Now, you guys have surveillance footage of this. So somebody broke in between 2.15 and 4.15 in the morning. We don't know where the bird is exactly, either wrapped up in a blanket or a bag or something, but he's walking away pretty calmly. He was, and that was quite disturbing that he seemed quite comfortable and confident there. Um, my husband and myself live on the refuge property and so unfortunately didn't hear anything. And we have the cameras up that did detect him, uh, you know, coming and going. And so that is, wow. you know, assisting in, in some of the investigation. Now, Bald eagle is uh, quite a large animal. They're very strong. They have sharp talons. I mean, how easy is it to kind of subdue one, to grab one from an enclosure? First, he's, he had to cut through two sets of fences to get in. I don't know if the bird would be startled by somebody kind of coming into his enclosure. Uh, how do you subdue a bird like this? Well, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know if the bird was tranquilized. He's not a handleable bird. You know, there are some birds of prey that are used to being handled, and on a falconry glove, he certainly is not one that we handled. He did not like being very close to people. Marisa, you've been working and handling Sammy since 2003. Tell us a little bit about him. What does he eat? What does he do during throughout the day? And and also tell us about his uh, his wing because he only has one wing. It had to be the other one had to be amputated. Right. So so he the, at the Quag Wildlife Refuge we house permanently injured wildlife. So in in the outdoor enclosure. So for instance, um, Sam the Baldy moved in here in 1988 because he needed uh, permanent housing. He was out in a western state somewhere, was shot, had to have his wing amputated, and then they found housing for him because he was a non-releasable bird because he's not flighted. Um, So that's his background story. And then once he's been here, he's lived happily in his enclosure, gets around really well with climbing and, and using his very strong feet and hopping around. You know, while he's in the cage... He has a, a big bird bath that he likes to bathe in. He does interact with all the visitors that come. He's very chatty, as you can um, see from the video that's on our Facebook and website. As a bird of prey, they are meat eaters, so we would feed him you know, dead rodents and sometimes fresh fish. A lot of local fishermen and women would bring us some local fish for him to eat. He was healthy since he's been here. He hasn't needed to see a vet or anything, so he was a pretty strong, healthy bird, minus his disability of having just one wing. It is a federal crime to possess a bald eagle without a permit. Uh, I've read that it's even illegal to possess a single bald eagle feather. Um, You know, I mean, obviously we don't know, but if you can speculate, what purpose would somebody want to take this bald eagle? We can only speculate. We don't know who did it, so then we don't know why they did it. I mean, if the sad thought is potentially 
they wanted him for his feathers, which is there is a black market for um, bald eagle and golden eagle feathers, which is, you know, a very sad thought. So it's being investigated thoroughly right now. There's uh, a variety of law enforcement agencies working on this because this is being taken very seriously because it is a federal crime right. it's considered grand larceny at this time. And it's been over a week now. Uh, you know, there is a $15,000 reward for anything that, you know, for any information and leading that could possibly lead to an arrest. Um, what have police been saying about this so far? They're, they haven't really come up with anything just yet. Well, nothing that is uh, that we're sharing or reporting on at this time. So the uh, the the re- reward is being provided by both Nassau and Suffolk County SPCAs, as well as our local Crime Stoppers. So we're hoping that even though the, of course, the priority is to get Sam the Bald Eagle back here safely, that the fifteen thousand dollar reward will lead to. Um, finding the perpetrator. I, I read in one of the stories that uh, you guys don't necessarily even want to press charges. You just want Sam back alive and, and you could drop him off there or uh, at a local vet or something. It's, you know, you just want him back unharmed. That's the priority is right. to um, drop him somewhere safely. You can call in anonymously to Crime Stoppers or to somewhere anonymously and let us know where he is. Everyone knows that this bird is being looked for. And so that is certainly the priority is his well-being. Yeah. I mean, he's a beautiful bird. I've seen the videos. He, he looks like he's got a great personality and interacts well with the community there who've you know known him now for many, mm-hmm. many years. So best of luck. I hope somebody delivers the tip that leads us to him or somebody turns him back in. Marisa Nelson, Assistant Director at the Quag Wildlife Refuge. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Oscar. We've actually been designed really carefully so that the slits in the wall are angled up so that you cannot sense your own location in this giant compound. So you're maybe getting a little bit of a view of the sky, but you have sort of this planned disorientation at all times. Joining us now is Eleanor Cummins, assistant editor at Popular Science. Last week, El Chapo was sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years for drug trafficking, money laundering, all sorts of bad stuff. El Chapo has just been this kind of legendary crime figure for the Sinaloa cartel for so long. He was put in prison twice and escaped twice. He just has this, for lack of a better word, amazing story behind him. But now he's off to prison for good. He's going to be going to the Alcatraz of the Rockies. It's the supermax prison known as ADX Florence, and it sits in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. This is where they send people who are no longer being rehabilitated. They're just there to live the rest of their life out in prison. Tell us a little bit about this place, because it's kind of a who's who of bad guys. It definitely is. So El Chapo will be joining one of the brothers involved in the Boston Marathon bombing. He'll be joining the Unabomber. He'll be joining mafiosos, people who were secretly spying for the Soviets, an individual involved in the 9-11 conspiracy, someone who planned the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. It really is uh, the, the worst of the worst. So what elevates this place above the rest? Because as I mentioned, he escaped twice. One time he escaped in a laundry cart. Another time he had people dig a tunnel underneath the prison right up to a cell. He popped down. There was like a motorcycle attached to a rail system and he drove like a mile out to like a little safe house. And then he escaped. And six months later, he was caught after that. But he's known for these dramatic escapes. 
What's going to prevent him from doing it this time? ADX Florence is in the Rocky Mountains at the very base. And it's sort of this remote facility where they feel, you know, that they have really got things locked down. At the perimeter, they have lasers, they have dogs, they have 12 gun towers. They, they really have that area secured. And even if you got out, you know, you'd be in the middle of nowhere. What's more is the way that the actual cells are designed and the facilities that the inmates are living in. The cells are concrete and reportedly soundproof, the idea there being that prisoners won't be able to communicate to each other that way. The floor is like loaded with sensors, pressure sensors. There are sort of lasers inside as well. They are watching you all the time. They can literally, you know, sense your footsteps. So it's extremely monitored. Yeah, that is crazy. There's 1,400 remote controlled doors and they can control the movement, the flow, I'm assuming, of all those doors as well. You mentioned now everything in the cell is concrete. The shower, the desk, the bed. I've seen some pictures of this. Um, How big are these cells that each person is assigned? They're seven by 12 feet, so pretty tight quarters. And the thing, too, is this environment is pretty much the only thing you're going to see for the rest of your stay. Prisoners spend roughly 23 hours a day alone in their cell. And so it's their entire world. There's a slot in the door where they throw you your meals, but still there's little to no interaction with inmates or guards. Amnesty International did a look into the facility there, and they called it entombed isolation in the U.S. prison system. But uh, they said that prisoners go days without barely a few words being spoken to them. Right. Yeah. So psychiatric evaluations, like meetings with your priest or imam, all of those things are going on through this slot in the door, and, and they're fairly rare. Even when you're meeting with your lawyer, Um, Amnesty International reported you're totally tied up. They're restrained and the restraints can be really severe. People uh, have reported that inmates have their feet and hands shackled and then all of that tied to a belt around their waist. And sometimes their cuffed hands are even placed inside a black box to further restrain them. So, you know, you might get these sort of moments of freedom or human interaction, but they're extremely limited. You're physically limited. The space is, is really just designed for holding people, right, for the rest of their lives. And that extends to your time outside also, which is very limited. Their outside space is kind of an individual cage separated from other people. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, because I mean, this place just sounds fascinating. I'd be curious to hear if anybody has ever tried anything suspect or tried to fight somebody or get out of there. But Tell us about these windows that each cell has, because it's fascinating the way they lay it out in a way that you can't tell where you are on the premises still. Right. So every cell has a four inch wide window um, that allows for some natural light, which maybe sounds nice, but they've actually been designed really carefully so that the slits in the wall are angled up so that you cannot sense your own location in this giant compound. And this is, you know, a further security measure. So you're maybe getting a little bit of a view of the sky. Maybe you can see the the roof of the building next to you, but you have sort of this planned disorientation at all times. And this is something that the very few people who have left ADX Florence have remarked on being one of the most harrowing parts of their stay in the facility is just, uh, you know, looking out this window and not being able to see anything and and knowing that when you arrive, the Rocky Mountains were there, right? They're brilliant and beautiful and you're never going to see them again. (laughs) It's just an extremely isolating and controlled environment. Eleanor Cummins, assistant editor at Popular Science. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.
That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Brooke Peterson and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.